0: Hello, chili water. <laughs> My name is Eric Salazar. I am the Assistant Director of Community Engagement with Classical Music Indy, as well as an Indianapolis-based clarinetist and composer. Uh, before we go any further, I just want to thank a few key people that made this excellent awesome event happen, and we have a full house, so that's even better! Uh, Thank you to Great Fermentations and Indiana Brewers Guild for being promotional partners for this event. Thank you to Chili Water for being okay with jumping off the bridge with us and trying out this unique event. And, of course, thank you, Chili Water, for the outstanding brews that you are going to provide. By the way, speaking of that, don't worry, you will get your beer. So uh, (laughs) the way it's going to happen is, in between uh, pieces, as Nick and Joshua are talking, uh, the Chili Water staff are going to bring out the beer that is to be paired with the specific piece of music, and then you'll get to drink it. And that's the best part. (laughs) So without further ado, I'm gonna turn it over to Nick and Joshua for this awesome event, Classical Pairings Live. (laughs) right, thank you so much, Eric. So my name is
1: uh, Nick Johnson. Uh, I talk about alcohol and food and music in the city uh, in a series called Classical Pairings. Uh, they actually approached me with the idea of classical pairings, where, hey, do you want to go to breweries and talk about music? And I said, yes, of course, that's what I want to do. And so it's, it was one of their fantastic ideas. I'm really excited to work with uh, Classical music Andy that does so much great work throughout the city. So what's going to happen here? You see the first beer is going around. I'll talk about it just a little bit. We're going to talk about the music that uh, Joshua has chosen. Um, I'll introduce Joshua here in just a second. And then you're going to be able to sip on it while you listen to him play. uh, For this first one, actually, two very beautiful pieces of music. With classical pairings, we're trying to think of ways to make classical music fun. It's for everybody. It's supposed to be enjoyable. We're planning on doing a lot more of these kinds of concerts. We think this is a really kind of fun idea so, without further ado, let's talk about this first beer that you're getting. Am I going to get one up here, hopefully? <laughs> I'm one, okay, there we go, because your host doesn't have one. There, Thank you. Are, are, okay. So, uh, Joshua and I, uh, we, did, we had a really hard task where we had to come to Chili Water one day and try every single beer they made. And it was a tough day, and we had to build a whole program on it. And Dan, who you're going to meet in a minute, took us through their whole profile. Hardest day of work I've ever done, I promise. Um, But so we started with a Rodler, which is a um, Dan can tell you a little more about it. But this is a German, and it's also very common in Austria style beer. I've had Rodlers in Munich, where they literally just pour half a beer and half a bottle of lemon lime soda into a cup, and they call that a Rodler. So this is a very low ABV; it's about two or three percent. I'm looking at Dan. Three percent, thank you, Dan. It's so the word Rodler, by the way, is uh, means cyclists. So Germany is the kind of country that you need a special beer when you're riding your bike. And so this is a beer designed for bicycle riding, and it's in the title. And so you're supposed to, when you take your long, you know, 50-mile bike ride, on Sunday, this is the beer you bring with you. Maybe you bring water, but probably not. You probably just bring your Rodler and you ride around Bavaria and look at beautiful sights. So we wanted to pick a nice, fun, summery, bubbly piece of music that would be sort of enjoyable as we can, you know, cling to these last few days of summer, or maybe last few weeks, right, um, and enjoy this, this beautiful weather. So we kind of went for this some very sort of perfect, calm Saturday afternoon, sunny music. Uh, so we chose uh, two pieces: one by Robert Nathaniel Dett and then one by William Grant Still. Both are kind of short pieces that are going to go with this. And let me introduce Joshua, our pianist here. He hasn't gotten to do anything, and he's the actual one that you're here to hear. So um, Joshua was born here in Indianapolis. He has degrees in sociology. He's also studied music extensively. He's done work uh, with the Damien Center, which is Indiana's largest AIDS service organization. Um, He's one of these kind of musicians that we're really lucky to have, both in the city and with classical Music Indy, that are really dedicated to the arts, but also social good within the city. He's did a... An artistic production, Village's Voice, Notes from the Euro, an original production um, that highlights the unsung and underperformed masterworks from the artists of African descent. And he was named one of the 2019 Features artists for the Arts Council of Indianapolis. He's also recipient of the 2020 Robert D. Beckman Jr. Emerging Artist Fellowship where he'll be traveling to Boston to study with Dr. Bill uh, Banfield, Director of Africana Studies at the Department of the Berklee School of Music. And Joshua has dedicated himself to performing music of underrepresented composers, composers of African descent. So actually every composer we hear today is a composer of African descent, which we're really excited to present music that is not usually heard in the concert hall here. Um, and we'll talk some about that, but uh, so we work together on picking these, and maybe if you want to tell us a little bit about why you chose this music for this beer.
2: Sure. So first, good afternoon, and thanks for, uh, for joining. I want to let you all know, I am here for the beer, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to do a little playing in between. Uh, I really love programs like this, because there's this huge misconception that that classical music is supposed to be unbelievably highbrow and lofty, and if anyone knows me, you know that what I am not is highbrow (laughs)
3: lofty and
2: all. And saying that, when we picked the first piece, the first two here, I love summer. It's my absolute favorite. I have no use for fall after the first two weeks of it because I know what's coming next. I'm not a fan. I'm not. So these first two pieces are very, very short. Like Nick was saying, the first one is by a gentleman by the name of Robert Nathaniel Dett. This is actually going to be the uh, it's the third movement from his characteristic suite for piano called In the Bottoms. So In the Bottoms is about uh, five or six movements that really puts to sound what the Deep South around the Civil War era is supposed to sound like. And so some of it is very atmospheric, some of it is very drawn towards nature, but everything uses... Debt's own influences in classical music, but he also draws from gospel, he also draws from field songs and folk songs, and so you can hear those, and we kinda see replication of that in music today. Uh, So the second one that I'm gonna do is a really short piece, it's called Ring Play by William Grant Still. It was written in 1964 and it was actually inspired by his contemporary and collaborator in the Harlem Renaissance, Zora Neale Hurston. She took a trip to the Caribbean and learned all these Caribbean dances, and somehow this is what he actually was inspired to write based on that. And so Ringplay is a set of six small vignettes from an entire cycle that Grant Still wrote. Very similar to Claude Debussy's Children's Corner, William Grant Still did the exact same thing for children's pieces for that. So these are not meant to be any heavier than your Rattler. They're supposed to be light and fun, and, uh, and it's summer. So hang on to the, to the Rattler and to these pieces and to summer, because it's, it's leaving
1: soon, and I'm, I'm remiss to see it go, so... All right. So before Joshua plays, how about this is the first classical pairings live we've done. Let's do a cheers. Thank you so much, everybody, uh, for coming. Cheers. <laughs> Sip on your Rodler. Listen to some musical music. Beautiful music. I've already had a couple beers.
3: Sorry. <laughs> so take
4: it away, Joshua. <laughs>
1: you'll notice, we kind of picked short music, so you can drink quickly <laughs> if you want to during the pieces, because you're about to get another beer uh, here in just a moment. <laughs> so uh, for, the, for the next piece, uh, while they're, they're getting this one ready, I'm going to talk a little bit about the composer that we're going to hear, and then we're going to have the uh, head brewer. Head brewer? Is that your name? Like your title? <laughs> the, the dude who makes the beer? Is that? Okay. Uh, he'll come up in a minute and talk to us a little about this beer. So we, we actually put this concert together. Like, when you go to Chili Water or somewhere and you do a flight of beers, they'll give you sort of an order. And so we also sort of were thinking about that. So we're going to slowly grow a little more complex and dark, and then we're going to give you a nice dessert at the end is where we're going. So this was our little appetizer, which I need to finish mine here in just a second. So actually, if you want to come up, you're coming up. Tell us about us now. So the next one we're going to do is called the Moonlight Sonata. This is a Vienna lager. Dan, how is... So anyway, this is Dan Krizwicki. Let's thank Dan Krizwicki. He's the maker of all this beer. <laughs> Uh, we approached them with this very weird idea, and he said yes, and then he invited us in, and, and they're very gracious uh, for this event. So by the way, uh, if you like the beers you have, I bet they'd sell you a pint or a growler of it next door. Maybe you could take that with you. But anyway, uh, we're going to do the Moonlight Sonata Vienna Lager here. So what makes a Vienna Lager different than other lagers? What's Vienna about it? So uh,
4: the Vienna Lager, it's a little bit more uh, toasty malt profile. Um, the hops really take a backseat on this one. The city of Vienna um, in Germany, it's almost uh, a beer style that you find anywhere over there, like historically for the, for the past several uh, centuries. And um, I'm a huge German beer fan. Um, one of my house beers over there is a German Pilsner. It's available year-round. I love making lagers, Vienna lagers, in my opinion, you know, just a world-class style of beer. There's all kinds of different trends and beer styles coming out nowadays, and I I feel like these types of beers have stood the test of time. They're balanced. They're drinkable.
1: Yeah. And so you said this one won a couple gold medals? This is one of your award winners? Yeah, this
4: this beer has actually won two back-to-back gold medals in the uh, um, North American Beer Awards uh, last year and this year, so uh, pretty... Pretty proud and happy to announce that. Yeah, no, that's fantastic.
1: Congratulations. You'll notice a lot of the beers have music names. Actually, if you if you go through as, as we're I guess you wait you're not looking at the same sheet that I am that has them all on. But when you hear about the name the names Moonlight Sonata, we'll hear Breakfast in America in a minute. Blood on the Tracks make my uh, make my father happy when we get to that one. Um, so okay, so for this piece, the Vienna Lager, we tried to do something more traditional. Um, When we think about African-descended composers, we usually think about the 20th and 21st century, but there's a really fascinating um, African-descended composer that worked primarily in France at the same time as Mozart, uh, Xavier de Saint-Georges. His profile, or reading his biography, is one of the most fascinating things. He was a composer, he was a world-class fencer. He was actually known throughout Europe mostly for his fencing. He grew up in Guadalupe before he moved to Paris. He fought during the uh, uprising. He fought in the French Revolution. He then later led the first all-African descended military unit in Europe. And while he was doing this, he wrote operas and string quartets and symphonies and some really gorgeous music. Now, because of his... He was actually offered, going to be offered the job of the head of the French opera in Paris uh, at the end of the 1700s. And he was the job was taken from him, almost certainly because he wasn't white. And so somehow he was able to rise above against the sort of rampant racism he faced and had all these amazing accomplishments. Um, So his story is really, I think it's very inspirational. It's very fascinating. You should definitely take a look. It's uh, Xavier de Saint-Georges is his name. If you look up Fencer Composer, you'll find it. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we chose this piece because we're going with the, as Dan was just talking about, this really traditional style Viennese lager. Even though Saint-Georges was working in, mostly in Paris and then a little bit in London, not Vienna, it's still very sort of this classic traditional style music. It, it's going to sound a lot like Mozart to you. Um, and in fact, he was friends with Mozart. He spent time with Mozart when Mozart was in Paris. Yeah. Well, okay, friends might be a bit much. He was acquaintances? Contemporaries. Contemporaries, okay. Uh, We know that they lived at the same uh, house, actually, for a couple months. And so whether or not they were, I guess you're right, I might have been too generous with the word friends. We'll see. But anyway. (laughs) So we chose this piece because it's just really gorgeous in the kind of uh, first Viennese style of just classicism, refinement, elegance. Music that is conveying its truth through balance and reason is sort of how Mozart and early Beethoven works. So I think I've talked enough. Let's go ahead and enjoy Joshua playing um, this piece. The Adagio in F minor is what we're going to listen to while you sip on this Moonlight Sonata. So take it away, Joshua. we probably have room. A couple of my students just came in, so they're trying to get extra credit here, so <laughs> should, hopefully they could fit somewhere. Okay, I'm actually going to pass the next one off. We're going to do the One Hop Wonder IPA and a piece by William Grant Still. So how about you just talk about this piece a little bit, what inspired you to match the beer? Yeah, take it away.
2: So the One Hop Wonder. So I, I frequently come down to this location of Chili water quite a bit during the week. I, uh, I work for myself as a musician, so when I have my meetings, I always conveniently make sure that beer is involved. (laughs) And One Hop Wonder is usually a part of those meetings. So I chose this piece to go with One Hop Wonder. It's from a larger work, also written by William Grant still, who's, who's commonly known as, as like the dean of African-American classical music. He's got over 300 scores to his credit that include piano works, uh, ballets, operas, symphonies. I mean, just I could live this lifetime and the next and still just barely scratch the surface of all of the works. So I can't do it myself. So all the classical musicians out there, look this man up. Start playing his stuff. Do my light work. Um, So what I like to do with this one is I've picked the second movement of his Africa Suite, which was written in 1930 and I believe made its debut in 1933. So there's three movements. The second one is known as Land of Romance. And it's not what we think of romance as in boy meets girl, girl meets boy, or or whatever non-heteronormative derivative that we we might find of that. Um, It's not romance in that literal sense. Uh, William Grant still was a very spiritual and metaphysical thinker, and that's found in his compositions. He was looking at romance as in kind of that transcendental illusion of, of the romance of creation. You know, if we start from the very beginning and the tonalities and the colors that we hear and that we see from the dawn of time to the beginning to where we are now, that to him was a very romantic concept and a very heady concept as well. So um, as is very typical of William Grant still, you're going to hear a lot of jazz and blues influence because he really was producing a lot of his larger works at that cusp of the 20th century, also the dawn of the Harlem Renaissance and the jazz age as well. And so before your Gershwins and your Cole Porters and alongside with them, this was one of your predecessors and contemporaries who made that style fashionable. Unfortunately, again, because of racial disparities and equities, these works did not make it to the regular program of most symphony orchestras and still hasn't. So, uh, I don't know, I just really, really love this one. And uh, so this is going to be a tune that definitely, as you drink, you kind of close your eyes and you just come up with the imagery and the colors that, that you associate with a romantic ideal of creation and how we came to be. So this is Africa's Movement two, Land of Romance.
1: And the beer that's coming around right now is the One Hop Wonder. This is an IPA. Some IPAs use multiple hops. This one, hence by the name, it has one hop in it. It makes a lot of real sort of complexity in it. It's kind of a fruit forward tropical sort of IPA. It's not gonna be overly bitter like some IPAs you've maybe had, but there's a lot of complexity in it. Okay, so let's go. We're gonna sip on the One Hop Wonder. I think they're still coming around. You'll probably get yours here in just a moment. Um, And then we're going to be listening to this piece by William Grant still, so whenever you're ready, Joshua. So with classical pairings, it's the magazine series that I write, or the in Note magazine, and then with the podcast, we're really trying to explore all these similarities of the people in the city. There's so many creative people in the city doing so much amazing work, uncovering music that is not heard enough, coming up with new beer recipes, and giving creating uh, community spaces like this for people in the city to come together and enjoy. Um, so I think I. I don't have a point here. Mostly I think I was just touched by that piece of music and I thought it was beautiful, so I'm feeling all sentimental. Maybe the beer is playing a role. Uh, so forgive me my uh, sentimental n- nature here. Uh, maybe I'm also trying to buy them a little bit of time because we do keep them coming here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be boofing uh, on to another beer here in just a moment. So as I said, we're going through kind of a traditional flight program. So now we're going to get into the dark one. We started with our nice appetizer with the I say Radler because I've spent time in Vienna and people make fun of me. It's a Radler, you can call it that. I just, yeah, if I'm pretentious. Anyway. If, you, if, you're, if you're from the Hueser state, yeah. you call it a Radler. <laughs>
3: <It's a> Radler.
2: <laughs>
1: <But,
3: laughs>
1: <laughs> then we had our nice Vienna lager, the Moonlight Sonata, then the one hop wonder we just had. So now we're gonna go a little darker. We're gonna do an oatmeal stout. So we're gonna take, this is our main course, if you will. And then we've got two more, so we're halfway through uh, with this actually. So this is going to be our darkest, stormiest point of the concert, both with the beer and with the music. So what we're going to be drinking right now is the Breakfast in America. This is an oatmeal stout. The only tasting note I have for this beer is a uh, thunderstorm, so, um, which I think is a good sign. That's what I wrote down, and I don't know what I meant when I wrote it, but... It's probably pretty accurate, right? Yeah. No, I
2: mean, you know, I think the that's about right on the nose. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so we're going to listen. Actually, the next two pieces are both a composer, Samuel Coors Taylor. So this was an English composer, actually, um, of African heritage. And so uh, Samuel Coors Taylor, um, So 1875, 1912 are his dates. So we're right again, right at the turn of the century. and But he took a really important trip to the United States. He actually met... Teddy Roosevelt in the White House, which was very rare for a non-white person to get invited to the White House. He was one of the first, actually, because he had established himself as a composer in England, though he, of course, faced racism there as well. Um, But he was invited into America, and while he was here, he became very interested in integrating some African-American type music, even though himself, he was not African-American. He lived in Britain, uh, in England. And so we, we chose this piece for some of its kind of dark dramatic notes. But maybe let's hear a little bit more about the beer, and then we can hear a little bit more about the music. So, I'm a stout guy. That's I guess I, I am stout, but I also like stout <laughs> beers. Um, is what I mean by that. And so, um, <laughs> what makes an oatmeal stout different than other stouts? Or are, are
4: all stouts oatmeal? Or is no. that okay? So, so
1: tell us a little bit about it, Dan.
4: So well, well first off, there actually is oatmeal in it. Every beer is based with barley, is the, uh, the cereal grain that's used. Some different grains provide different texture on the uh, mouthfeel, different dryness, depending on what you're going for. Oatmeal adds a lot of body to the beer, and it almost gives a little bit of like a, a, a slickness on the tongue when you're drinking it. There's a lot of uh, roasted barley and chocolate malt in this beer. There's no actual chocolate in it, but some of the, uh, the roasting that they do on the barley lends itself to some of that really dark, dark cocoa uh, flavor, so. And the oatmeal just kind of helps balance it out a little bit uh, so, it, so it's not too astringent uh, and dry from, from the uh, roasted malt, so. A little bit lower carbonation on the beer as well, just to uh, increase that smooth flavor of, of the beer. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I love the name Breakfast in America for Noatmeal Style. Well mm-hmm. done. Did you come up with that one? Yeah. That, that's <laughs> a good name. Yeah. And, and then this is an English piece. Wasn't Supertramp English? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's like we planned all this. Everything's working together. Yeah. So, uh, Joshua, uh, you, um, you chose this piece of music to go with this beer when we were talking. Um, so, I told you a little bit about the composer. What, what about this piece? Do you think really captures some of the essence of this oatmeal style that's being passed around right now?
2: So I'd have to say, like, uh, just a little bit of background things too. Like, so I think for 2018, William Grant Still, the piece that you just heard, he was kind of my my musical muse and my aha dude. Uh, and so I played a lot of his stuff last year. This year for me, 2019 has really been whether I found them or they just kind of found me. It's kind of been the year of Samuel Coolidge Taylor. I've really gone through a lot of his a lot of his works or at least at least the ones I can play. So, <laughs> <laughs> huge difference there. So, um, with this one, this is the the sixth and final movement from an entire set of waltz suites. It's called the Three Fours Waltz Suites. It was written in 1909. And I think there's a lot of folks who get really gung-ho about Beethoven being the the harbinger and the icon of romantic style music. And every time I listen to Samuel Coolidge Tager, I'm like, no, this dude is the one. I mean, it's, it's schmaltzy. It's like dramatic as all get out. And then he'll like mellow you out with a really cool, almost jazzy little vibe in the middle of it. And so that's why I really like his works, but this one as well. And I think with the heft and the darkness of, of the milk stout, but also coming with that kind of very velvety finish and still being palatable, it just kind of reminded me of this. Now, the fact that it's called Breakfast in America, when you hear the the opening, you'll be like, damn, what kind of breakfast is America having? (laughs) But it is, we are where we are. (laughs) I will leave that to you. I don't know, (laughs) like I said, um, this guy's music is just really a kind of encapsulation of myself as well. I kind of come off as pretty mild-mannered and and chilled out, but um, internally, I'm really dramatic. I'm like a neurotic OCD kind of dude like I just I just I play off the front really well but I really enjoy this piece of music right at the height of your intensity like I said there's that very nice mellow finish before he ramps it back up so so yeah wish me luck
1: made like you didn't just knock that out of the park. And I, I think you did. So I think you, I think you played that beautifully. So well done. <laughs> in,
2: in private practice at home as well, there's often a, a point of diminishing returns between mm-hmm. drinking beer and playing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, You got to toe that line really. Um, So so thanks, but I'm done.
1: (laughs) So before we do the next piece, by the way, I have like written in my script when I'm supposed to thank them, but we're gonna thank them an extra time. Because they're working so hard back there to just keep all this beer flowing. Can we thank chili water? Um, We pitched it as sort of like a fun, casual event, and they're sprinting back and forth (laughs) with trays of beer. So thank you for that. So that was the Breakfast in America Oatmeal Stout that I see many of you are still sipping on. A Thunderstorm, that's kind of right, isn't it, for both the beer and the music? So now we're going to go, we're starting to move, we're in the kind of the downward slope here. We're going to do an IPA, and then we've got kind of a dessert sort of beer coming up. Uh, So this is a, a very fruity, citrusy IPA that will be out in just a minute. Okay, the beer that's coming up next is called Blood on the Tracks, another music reference for us. You'll notice that this is uh, very fruity and citrusy. I have this in my notes, which I think Dan told me. It's like your orange juice in the morning, uh, which I don't know what your orange juice tastes like, Dan, but um, I doubt that it's like this beer. So we're going to do another piece by the same composer we just heard, but it has a very different feel. We just heard his really dark, dramatic, thunderstorm side of Sam McCoolish Taylor. A really richly romantic and gorgeous piece of music. This one is going to be, it's from a collection. Um, I mean, I'm not playing piano, so I'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so this one is uh, it's from a collection he wrote called 24 Negro Melodies. It's when he was inspired when he visited the United States to incorporate in a manner similar to composers like Dvorak, are composers who used folk-like melodies in their art music. And so a similar thing is going to happen here. But it's going to have, it's way less dramatic than what we've just heard and the way he integrates it. I'm wondering, Joshua, if you can talk a little bit about a sort of maybe the incorporation of folk music and how this is going to give us kind of a different flavor than the piece we just heard. Yeah, for sure. So Samuel Coolidge Taylor's 24
2: Negro Melodies, there, there's a lot of them. You will never see them on a program back-to-back, because there's 24 of them. We ain't got time for that. Um, But a lot of times, if and when you see them programmed, which is not often, oftentimes they were actually staggered um, in two days. So you'll get the first 12 in one day, and then you get the next 12 the next day. I, I also do another one of his, and it's probably his most famous, prolific, and for me, the most moving out of it is his Deep River. Which he takes a very Negro spiritual in him, and and puts all of the romantic and classical stylings that you actually uh, you see, and just the the ornamental nature that goes with it from a single melody. It's really a gorgeous piece that's featured pretty prominently in my uh, production, Village Voices, Notes from the Grio. This one on the other end. Uh, this is the eighth movement out of the 24, and it's called the Bamboula, which is an African dance that is uh, well-known um, around the French West Indies. So again, kind of kind of ties to um, Chevrolet de Saint-Georges in uh, Guadeloupe in the French Indies. That's what he's doing with this one. I think it's, a, it's somewhat of a, I don't want to call it a loose association, but as I was learning it and planning, I was just like, so where are those Caribbean vibes? They're there. Some of them are there, but maybe not as on the nose as you would think. But I think that's the fun part of taking diasporic folk and getting to spin it out. You know, regardless of how, how closely attached or how loosely associated that you might want to make it and for this one it works it reminds me a lot of uh, ring play that we did at the very beginning again it's supposed to be, be very light and just kind of effervescent when it comes to that and so we were drawing upon the those those citrus notes that you're getting in this beer here to kind of pair with this one as well so again this is a piece where he kind of has a pretty dramatic and amazing flair at the very end but it's not a piece to be taken overly seriously at all it's just kind of a fun dance a little jig and all that type of stuff so uh
3: yeah
1: So we have uh, already reached our last piece and our last beer um, of this afternoon concert. So I have a few thank yous, a couple plugs, while they're handing out um, the last one. So uh, first of all, I want to thank Chili Water for hosting this uh, in their their event space. Right, now. If, you, if you are, after all this beer, you're like, you know what, I should eat a sandwich or a salad before I go home. <laughs> you could go just on the other side of this door, and I bet they'd sell you one. So I also want to thank the Brewer's Guild of Indiana that helped put this gig together. And then Great Fermentations, where you can find out all sorts of stuff about home brewing. If you're wanting to try this yourself, see if you can outdo Dan. I don't think you can, but you could try it. Um, So, um, and then I'm, just a couple plugs. So this is part of our, this is our first live event for Classical Pairings. And we're hoping to start doing these every few months. Uh, We have a real passion in classical music indie. We believe classical music is for everybody. And classical music should be fun and approachable. And so we're trying to come up with new ways to put concerts together with some really beautiful music and fun, unique environments like this. And they've been doing this long before I became involved with them, and I'm I'm honored to be a part of it now. So you can classicalmusicindie.org is how you would find out about these sorts of events. Okay, I've been talking too long. Let's get to the last piece. This beer, um, uh, this is The Wall. I'm very excited about this beer. It's the most, to me, complex, unusual beer that I've really had in this city, and it's fascinating what, uh, what Dan has put together here. So I actually asked Dan to come up one more time and tell us a little bit about this, because I don't think I could even begin to describe it. So you just want to tell us about The Wall.
4: Yes, yeah, so the, uh, this next beer style coming out, it is a uh, Berliner Weiss-style beer. So this is a, uh, another German-style of beer and it's a very tart beer. Some would call it a sour. It's not technically a sour, although it's a bacteria that creates the uh, lactic acid in the beer. So when you drink it, it has a very, very tart, acidic flavor to it. And so what I did with this, after I created the base beer, I took uh, raspberries, uh, a little bit of lactose and a little bit of vanilla uh, to, to sort of balance out the acidity of the beer itself and create almost like a uh, you know a raspberry tart uh, type beer and it's been very well received. We actually ran out of it, um, so uh, you guys are getting the last little bit of it here. So uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, if you want to get more, sorry, this is it. Uh, probably make make some more next year. So. Um, On a completely unrelated note, I I don't know if you've mentioned Joshua's socks, but uh, every time he performs, he has these amazing socks on. He never wears shoes. I wanted to give him a shout-out. Thank you so much, Dan. I didn't know that we
1: were getting the the last of this. That's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, So this... um it's a really kind of smooth, desserty type beer. We were really struck by it. And so Joshua had a lot of fun picking a piece for this, and we chose a piece by Duke Ellington, which you might consider more of a jazz composer, but he definitely kind of lived in both worlds, in the classical and the jazz world. It was perfectly fluent in both of those. Um, so we, we, we chose this beautiful piece that was uh, part of his King Suite. They actually wrote this piece uh, for Queen Elizabeth. Uh, in the 1950s. But uh, Joshua, can you tell us a little bit more about this piece and how, how you chose, what, how you think it works with this beer, and just a little bit about what inspires you about this piece of music?
2: So I think you're right. I mean, we definitely, and credit should be given to Duke Ellington as, you know, kind of like the father of big band and, and all that. Like, so there's, there's definitely not to take that away either. Uh, but man, he wrote so many uh, pieces for, for orchestra and for, uh, for ballet. My, my favorite of his that I'm currently in between like transcribing and trying to learn is his is his river sweet it's just it's gorgeous, it's absolutely stunning and so um I don't know when we tried this one, it was the most delicious, strange tasting beer, and I was like, this is beer and it was just it was really good though. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for something that you know is not everybody's cup of tea, but we can all find something that we appreciate. About it, and we can respect the craft that goes into it, and I think that's very comparable and similar to how we view classical music and classical musicians as well. Um, we feel like we don't relate to it, or it's not for us. But a, it is, and b, <laughs> and, and but b, I mean, when you. Understand the science behind it, the composition behind it. You have a, a newfound appreciation for it. So I think that's kind of what inspired me with that one. Single petal of a rose, again from his Queen Suite. Um, I absolutely love this uh, this piece. There's a couple arrangements that I'm working on for spoken word and cello and piano, just because I think it's gorgeous. It's, there's something to be said for taking something that's very, very uh, repetitive and simple in lyrics but the simplest things sometimes are not all that simple and then just really kind of expounding on them and and elaborating on them i think that's where the beauty and the complexity um, and the creativity comes in a composer and people who play it and so that's what you'll hear you'll hear a very repetitive line throughout but if you were to think about Single Petal of a Rose, you know, if you've ever taken a look at it, if you're looking at it just aesthetically from the outside, and then you get a little bit closer and get a little bit closer and a little bit closer, again, what is simple, what is basic is anything but. And I think uh, Duke Ellington does a phenomenal job um, without overstating the point with a Single Petal of a Rose. So, And this is also like... I don't want to say it's easy, but I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to think too hard when I'm playing this one, too. Like, it's hot. I've had a couple beers. I'm just like, let's end on a high note, you know. So that's what we're going to do.
1: All right, so Joshua Thompson. Thank you. Thank you so much everybody for coming to the first one of these. My name is Nick Johnson. This is all for Joshua Thompson though, well done.